Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. What a great morning. What a great way to start the morning with somebody being baptized. It is a thrill. It's really a great thing to see. And uh, with uh, this young man, Brett, he, he, he expressed his sincere desire. He is a believer in Jesus Christ. So we wanted to make sure that we were biblical. The Bible tells us that when we read it, what Reverend Terry read this morning, repent and be baptized. And so it's our joy to baptize people and have them uh, enter into the new life of Christ. And you, si- you saw Brother Brad up there, and uh, I know the last baptism we had, you saw he- they're wearing red. They're wearing red, and the shirt that he has now to keep it says, made new, made new, something to look back on. And uh, we're glad to hand that out to people who are baptized because indeed they are made new. Just like Reverend Barry just declared when he uh, baptized that young man, I, he says, the Lord grants you the liberty to rise and walk in newness of life. And you know what? If, uh, if you've never been water baptized, if you've come to Christ and you've repented and you believe that he is your Lord and your Savior, come talk to us. We want to baptize you. We want to get you biblical and scriptural so that you can rise to walk in newness of life. Bury that old man. You know, the Holy Spirit does a work in those waters of baptism. The Bible tells us that there is a circumcision of heart that's done. And this is something that we want to be able to do with people. So if, if this is you, give us a call. We will be happy to uh, talk to you and uh, baptize you. It's a great, great thing. And it was at the start of our service, or really uh, just a few minutes after the start, and I just want to encourage you. If you are out there in the foyer at 10 o'clock, church is starting in here, and I want you in here. I want you to come on in. Don't miss a minute of what's happening in the house of the Lord. We have a great opportunity to fellowship and love one another in our Sunday classes. And if you're taking time there to, to love somebody and talk to them, just make sure you say, hey, it's, uh, it's getting close to 10 o'clock. We want you in here in the sanctuary. I do. You know what? I don't want you to miss a minute of what God has. And uh, it, it's important to be in here. So I just want to encourage you. And I'll tell you what, I might be a broken record for the next few weeks. And so if you hear me and you're, uh, you're saying, man, this guy is really pushing us. Yes, I am. I'm going to be. All right. I'm just going to be open and honest with you. We start at 10 o'clock, and I'd love to have you all in here and be a part of what's happening in the house of the Lord. It's a great, great thing. So uh, bear with me for the next couple of weeks, because I know there's a few folks on vacation. They're opening cottages and such this, uh, this morning, so I want to repeat myself a couple of times. This morning, I'm going to start uh, in John's Gospel. We're going to continue talking a little bit about life, but today... Uh, more of a, a topic about uh, recalling life or what, do, what is it that we memorialize because it is 
the Memorial Day weekend. And it's a, it's a weekend for our country to honor those who gave their life for our liberty and what we enjoy. And so that topic I know is on many people's minds, the idea of uh, memory and remembering. So I'm going to talk a bit about that this morning. And I'm going to begin in John's Gospel. I just want to read this up front, uh, and I'm going to hit on it a little bit later, but I thought it's best that we just look at the Word of God first. So John chapter 15, if you have your, your phone or your tablet or your paper Bible, open it up to John chapter 15. This is Jesus, the last night of his life here on earth before he was crucified, and he's talking to those nearest and dearest to him, his faithful disciples. And I want to read to you just a few lines of what he was saying to them on this, his last time with them. John 15, uh, verse number 9. I'm going to read through verse 13. And Jesus said this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So Jesus talking here about love and talking here about friends. And boy, did I see a, a, just the greatest possible contrast to that on Monday. And I'm guessing most of us in here did. On Monday evening, it was late. I had a long day, but I had uh, turned on the news really late in the day. And for the first time, I had come to learn about this that went on in Manchester, England, this explosion outside an arena in the center of town. It was a crowd of young people leaving the arena, and here there was this great explosion. And now at that time, all the telltale signs were there that this was a hateful terrorist attack, a suicide bomber. But that had not yet been substantiated, but it sure looked to be that. And of course, it didn't take long for that to be substantiated. Someone who committed suicide with a bomb strapped on them, a 22-year-old young man. He uh, was a young man, a Muslim man. He killed himself, and he took scores of people with him. And of course, there were... Uh, the people in that town center that were the most affected. And then that city we saw, it came together. Less than 24 hours after this horrendous incident, this town united. And they came to the town hall. And on Tuesday at 6 p.m., the, the bells of the town hall rang out. And there was two minutes of silence for those who had lost their lives. And this vigil began. People of all walks of life, people of all kinds of faiths. Manchester is said to be uh, linguistically the most diverse city in Europe. They say there's over 200 languages that are spoken there. And all these people came together in solidarity to denounce this senseless, incomprehensible, 
Our minds cannot wrap around why somebody would uh, do such a thing, this violence. So all these people came together to denounce it, but to commemorate those who had lost their lives. And they, there were these makeshift shrines that were erected, and candles were being lit, and prayers were being prayed. And it was all to honor these victims who had lost their lives. And no doubt, no doubt there will likely be some permanent memorial that will be created for these people who died that day. And that's so that future generations can see that and remember and never forget what occurred there that just this last week. And most towns and cities that you pass through, they will have some type of memorial commemorating a tragic event, a loss of life, and very often commemorating those who gave their lives in some skirmish or war. It doesn't matter, it seems, the town, how big, how small. Back when Julie and I were on vacation just a couple of uh, weeks back when we were in South Carolina, we went through the town of Mount Pleasant, and there was this beautiful park. We were just driving and exploring. I saw a sign that said, hey, there's a park. And so we turned in, and it was gorgeous. And it turned out it was a memorial park. It was the uh, Mount Pleasant Memorial Park, and they had this beautiful, beautiful gardens and a pier that went out on the Cooper River, but Central, before you even got to that area, was a, a big memorial. And it was for those who had been from this town and had given their lives for their country, all the way back to the Revolutionary War, up on through to uh, Afghanistan. Names were on this big circular uh, memorial they had with a beautiful fountain. And it's so that people aren't forgetting. Memorials like this are important. They're about remembering, about bringing to the forefront of our minds things that we should never forget. Now, I know as people of God, we're taught we shouldn't live in the past. We're not to dwell in the past. We're not supposed to attempt to regain our past lives. We saw Brett baptized this morning, and we talked about the old man going away and the new man rising and walking to newness of life. That old man's gone, and we don't want Brett or anybody else to ever turn around and say, I want that old life back. That's not what we're called to as Christians. But that doesn't mean we can't remember certain things. We can. God uh, put God allowed memorials. God actually directed people to build memorials. He wanted them to remember him and what he had done for them. He didn't want them to go back. Now, when Moses had come out of Egypt, the people wanted to go back, and God was angry with them. Moses cried out to God, why did you give me these people? They complain, they murmur, they want to go back. They want the food from Egypt. God was not happy with them. God wanted them to move forward. But as he did, even God had them memorialize certain things. Even back in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, we all know that 
God said he would cast a bow in the sky when it rained. Why? It was a reminder. Now, I'm sure you're not all uh, remembering or calling to mind very often what happened with Noah, but when you see the bow in the sky, instant reminder because God wants us to remember certain things. When God brought those people out of Egypt, he gave them the law, and in, in the law, in the Ten Commandments, there is a memorial. He said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Every seventh day was to be a memorial to remind the people that God was their provision. God provided everything for them. They were to take a day of rest and honor God. Every seventh day was set up as a memorial. On the evening of the Last Supper, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So even Jesus established memorials. He established this memorial meal. Every time we eat the bread and drink the cup, the Word of God tells us we show forth the death of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. It's so that we call it to mind. We never forget it. We never take it for granted. God continually called his people to remember certain things about him. Why? He wanted them to recall and remember his grace and his mercy and his loving kindness and his great and his mighty deeds because he was creator God. So the Bible gives us these many examples of remembrance and commemoration and memorial reminders lest we forget the important things. So our nation has set aside tomorrow. Tomorrow is an important day, a reminder that we don't forget those who died in an effort to secure and maintain the liberty that we enjoy in this country. We can come here together. We can call out the name of Jesus Christ. We can worship openly. And we don't have any worry because we have this liberty and this freedom that has been secured for us by so many that have gone before us. It's not unusual uh, that after events then of last week, that memorial would be made. A memorial would be constructed. Something would be built up to honor the victims. And it motivates people. It motivates many. Uh, and in this case, because it's fresh in our mind, it's not just the local people that are motivated by this memorial we see. And I'm sure you've seen many of the pictures of uh, the people praying, they're putting down uh, candles, they're making shapes of hearts, they're putting people's names. It motivated that local town, it motivated the, uh, the whole country of uh, Britain, and of course, it's really motivated much of the world to come against and denounce this the violence, this vile evil. So these people are motivated to come against it. What would motivate a young man, just a kid really, to put on a backpack and fill it with acetone peroxide and nails and something so powerful, powerful enough to kill dozens of people? He puts it on his back, walks into a crowd of kids. Kids, little kids, eight-year-olds, young people. And then he pulls a trigger. And he wasn't even an outsider. These were his own people. This kid was born in Manchester. He was born in 1994, right there in the town. He was raised in the town. He went to school there. He went to university there. 
What shaped him? What would bring him to this? What led him to this? He, he, he was born into a, a Muslim family, a Sunni Muslim family. They had fled Libya because Muammar Gaddafi had taken over and come to power. And that family fled, came to Manchester. And it said that this kid was quiet, that he was respectful, that he may have been short-tempered, but he was in a completely different culture now. But his father returned back to Libya, is what has been reported. And after Qaddafi had been killed a number of years ago, the boy stayed in Manchester, but lately had been traveling back and forth to Libya. And he was heard very recently and loudly in the street chanting, there is only one God and Muhammad is his prophet. Religion, a family, radicalization in another country, all of this, it seems, led this kid. But it still can't explain it. Why? Why would someone walk into a crowd, kill themselves, and take so many others with them? Our minds just cannot wrap, uh, wrap around it. I read an article in uh, the Toronto Star. It was by a guy named Bob Hepburn, and, and he had this, this, the same confusion, which I'm sure we all do. And he put it this way. He said, I have read many of the hundreds, if not thousands of books and academic papers written about what motivates suicide bombers from their hatred of American aggression to lack of self-esteem, ethnic persecution, religious intolerance, and more, but I still don't understand. Are they totally crazy or delusional to try to change the world through a single act of blowing themselves up? along with dozens, if not hundreds, of innocent people? Do they truly believe, as they've been told by their accomplices, that if successful, they will have 72 beautiful virgins waiting for them, as well as places reserved in paradise for 70 members of their families? Is that why? As survivors of the past attacks report that many suicide bombers were actually smiling moments before they detonated their explosives? Clearly, there is always an irrational aspect to conflict, but recent terror attacks in Manchester, France, and Germany in the past weeks have reached a new level of pointlessness. And to that, I can agree. It's not just a new level of pointlessness. Taking these children, I mean, this is a heightened, and it's a new point of evil. I, I can only think that somewhere entrenched in this fanatical, extremist uh, version of his faith in Islamic religion, that there was some justification, as obscene as it is, in this kid's head, that if he did this, he was accomplishing something for Allah. He, he killed himself, and somewhere in this twisted thinking that will never understand, he felt, i can't only imagine that he just felt he was doing something noble. But it wasn't. It was vile. It was evil. It was wicked. And it was motivated. I can come up with one word. It was motivated at its core by hate, by just sheer hate. Now the victims will be memorialized, but the, the killer will be repudiated. And he, he, he's not mentioned. When they say 22 lost lives, they don't include him as the 23rd. No, it's 22 because the evil ones, 
not going to be a, a monument or a memorial made for that. And isn't that a contrast? What a contrast in this, in this day and age. This is not the first century. This is the here and the now, and what a contrast that is to our faith. What a contrast that is to Jesus Christ. What a contrast that is to what we read just a few minutes ago. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is the faith of Jesus Christ. This is the religion that he established. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. The religion of Jesus is based on love. It's all about love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we, we read this. We read, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He did not die to take out a bunch of people with him. The love of Christ was so much that though we reject him, though we uh, have hated him, though we have rebelled against our creator God, though we are sinners, and while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ gave his life for us. He gave his life that we might have life. He gave his life in an act of sacrificial love. He did not incite a revolt. He didn't attempt to take the Jewish accusers with him. He didn't attempt to take as many Romans with him when, when he was executed. No, he uh, he didn't deliberately and indiscriminately kill others around him. No, that's not what he was about. Absolutely not. I, I read another article, and if you've been paying attention to the news, once again, just a couple days ago, Christians killed in Egypt. A bus full of Christians, families, moms and dads and little kids, obliterated, surrounded by men with guns, and they were just gunned down. In Egypt, they're Egyptian Christians. And again, it's all because of this hate, motivated by hate. These hateful people surround a bus full of innocent people that are just on their way to worship God. And I'll just give you a little bit of what I read. The Islamic State terrorist group claimed responsibility for the attack on a bus outside of Cairo that killed 29 Egyptian Christians, including 10 children. So it was just Friday. Christians who were reportedly on their way to a monastery south of Cairo killed 32. As many as 10 masked attackers in three SUVs stormed the bus dressed in military uniforms and demanded that the passengers recite the Muslim profession of faith. There's the line that caught my eye. Demanded that they recite the Muslim profession of faith, witnesses said, and, then, uh, and that's according to the Wall Street Journal. Then the gunmen opened fire. What kind of faith is that? What flies in the face and is so in contrast to what we believe about our Jesus. When Jesus was arrested, one of his disciples pulled out a sword, cut off an ear of the, the servant of the high priest. And what did Jesus say? Did he say, run through the rest of them? Bust out your swords, guys. We need to take as many with us. Make them recite uh, faith in me and then cut off their heads. No, not at all. The, the farthest thing from it. Jesus healed the man. And he said, put your sword away. He said, do you think I couldn't call on my father and he would send me 12 legions of angels and put them at my disposal? But he says, this is not how Scripture is to be fulfilled. Why? 
Why? Why didn't Jesus have his disciples go to battle? Why didn't he have them kill? Because hate was not his motivator. Love was his motivator. Love was what is behind Jesus Christ. While the hate of man in the name of a false god seeks to kill and destroy as many lives as possible in one indiscriminate, un incomprehensible act of suicide, or while 10 would surround a bus full of innocent people and just open fire on families, the love of the Creator God is an act of mercy and, and of grace. And He gave up His life not to destroy, not like that, but to save lives. Death was arrested so that life could begin. This was, the, this was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who's called the Lamb of God, who died for mankind. And what a difference that is. And that's something that we should memorialize. That is something that we should talk about. The love of Jesus is something to keep in front of people. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, a crowd developed around these that were Jesus' most faithful followers. And he began to ridicule these people. There was confusion. You read in Acts chapter 2, it says that they made fun of these people who had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter began to preach. He began to preach Jesus. And he said, God has made this Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, these were the bloodthirsty people who had called for the execution of Jesus just 50 days earlier. Peter didn't pull out his sword. Peter didn't call for a, a battle. But what he did was he brought out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he memorialized Jesus. He talked about what Jesus did when he was on this earth. He spoke about his death and his resurrection and what he accomplished for everybody by that act a victory over death. Death was arrested and new life can begin. And instead of more bloodshed on that day, what occurred? 3,000 people were added to the church and they turned their attitudes and their mindsets and the way that they live. And you read at the end of Acts chapter 2 that they came together and they lived together and they counted all things in common. Why? Because their core was love, the love of Jesus Christ. It wasn't hate. It wasn't vile evil. He died, Jesus did, to provide reconciliation with God out of love. And that's the gospel. And it is this gospel, the love of a God who would provide a pathway to relationship with him. The love of a God who says, I want to be your father and you can be my child. I want to be in relationship with you. This came through his one and only son who died for your pardon so that you could be adopted into his family. This is the gospel. And it's what people like that 22-year-old kid in Manchester needed to hear. He needed to hear that before he would turn to murder and destruction and acts of suicide that we can't even understand and massacre that's incomprehensible. He needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus Christ can penetrate a pointless life, can it not? I hope you believe that today. I hope you believe that the gospel can penetrate a pointless life and it gives purpose to life. Ultimately, the gospel's the only cure for the hatred and the wickedness and the vile evil. It's the love of Christ that can conquer that. 
And we need to believe it, and we need to be people that are out there talking about it. And it doesn't mean that all conflicts are going to be avoided or go away. You know, governments have the right to protect their people. Just war is sometimes unavoidable, and we have to get behind it and back those that are over us. You know, the government is over us, and the Bible tells us that. We need to take that seriously. We need to take seriously what the Bible tells us about being in submission to those who are in authority over us. And that's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13, that we should submit to the authority that's over us and those that rule above us. But he also reiterated in that same chapter, Romans 13, and I encourage you to read it this week, not only did he say that we should submit to the rulers and authorities over us in civil government, so if, if there's a just war and they, they are going there and we have to obey, we do, but he also talked about the love of Jesus Christ. And he also talked about the mandate of that love we must take seriously to the mandate of Jesus who said, you have heard, love your neighbor. Paul quotes this in, in uh, Romans 13, love your neighbor as yourself. It's Jesus who said, You've, you have heard, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Those are hard words. They're tough words to hear, especially on a week like this where we hear about so many people being killed because of this vile, wicked evil. But you know, all the bullets that are shot and all the drone strikes that are done and all the bombs that are dropped, they are never going to stop this radical form of wicked, evil, vile uh, Islam or any other religion that would call for the murder of people. They're just not going to stop them. But it's the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. The gospel is powerful unto salvation because it's the message of his love. It's the message of his love. That's why it's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel can turn a person who is intent on blowing themselves up and taking others with them. It can. We might think we're never going to come across such a person, but I'll tell you what, that kid that was in Manchester seemed to be a normal kid. How many people crossed his paths? How many heard him out in the street chanting this, there is no other God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet, but didn't take the opportunity to go, let me tell you about a God who loves you. Let me tell you about a God who can honor love and life. Let me tell you about a God who will save you. He's arrested death so that you can have life. You could cross paths with somebody like that, you know, in your own circles, at your schools, in your workplace, in your neighborhoods. You don't know. It could seem like a normal person. You don't know how depressed, how down they are, what's, what's got a hold of them, what's burdening them, but you share the love of Jesus Christ and the gospel that can change a life and, and the Lord Jesus that can take them and turn them. And as we saw this morning, they can rise to walk in newness of life. And don't you want that for everyone that you know? Man, you know, we just don't know who we're going to cross and how desperate they are. We can make a difference by sharing Jesus Christ. He died for all of us. He died for every single person. But one by one, individually, each person must come of their own volition to Jesus. And they need to hear the message. They need to hear about this great thing called the love of Jesus and that he gave his life for every single one of us. You know, I don't think there's anyone in here, it's not my guess, that anyone in here is intent on blowing up yourselves and others. But you know what? That's not the mark. 
That's not the mark where Jesus says, okay, you need me now because you're going to kill people. No, no, that's not the barrier. Sin is the barrier. All sin, all sin is the barrier. So it's not just this kid in Manchester or these people that are so uh, hateful that have come short of the glory of God. No, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, you're cutting corners at work or cheating on your spouse or being dishonest at school. This is sin. This is sin. It's, it's, it's something that needs to be taken care of, covetousness, jealousy, and so on. We have all sinned. We have all sinned. But that can change. That can change, and it can only change one way. It's through Jesus Christ, Lord of all. He gave his life to relieve us of this penalty of sin that we bear and the eternal consequences that go with it. Jesus didn't die with the intention of having many others die with him. No, the exact opposite. He died to give life. It's hard to understand, but that's what he did. He sacrificed to pay for sin. And if you believe that, you can live eternally. And I know so many of us in here do believe it. And we've gained that eternal life. And we're walking with him. Because he was the one who laid down his life. Greater love has this than, than no other. To lay down one's life for one's friends. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know, he... If you haven't come to that, he wants to call you friend, but you've got to come to him. You've got to say, I get it. You love me. I understand your message of love. If you've never reached out to him, you know, you can call on him this morning. Today can be the day that your life could be different. You know, earlier we heard uh, Brother Terry Allen saying some, something about, well, it might be depression. You know, it might be something that just happened this week. I don't know. Neither do I. And if you've never turned to Jesus, if it's some sin you're involved in, if you, you're feeling down about it, if you don't know which way is the way to go, it's Jesus. Jesus is the way. This is the way. If you're hearing this for the first time today or if you've heard it a hundred times, but you've never really made that turn today, make the turn. And if you're sincere, he'll help you move forward. He will. And he'll give you a different outlook on life. Just like the 3,000 back in the, the book of Acts who turned to him for the very first time because they realized out of love he gave his life. Out of love. I don't know if there's anyone in this room today, but if there is, I want to pray with you right now. I want you to say in your heart, if you have never really turned to Jesus Christ with all sincerity, that you do that right now. And I want to pray with you. And I want everyone in this room, if you're a firm believer in Christ and you've turned to pray with me, let's pray right now for any and all in here. Lord, if there's anyone in this room who for the very first time is going to say, I acknowledge you and I understand your love. Oh, and I've been down or depressed or I've been having things in my mind, not knowing what to do and I'm going the wrong way. Lord, I just pray right now they say, I understand your loving kindness. I, I want to turn from this sin. I want to turn from what's holding me down and release my life to you. I want to look forward to that day like I saw in that baptism this morning where I can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and walk with him in newness of life. God, I pray that that person right now or anyone in here, any and all in here, Lord, who, who are lifting that prayer up to you, God, that you would honor it and that you would meet them right now 
And Father, that you would bless them so that they know they can leave here with hope, hope for a future, hope for a future that's life, life eternal, God. And I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. I hope uh, if you, for the first time, did pray that prayer or you've really realized this, that you just let us know. Take a minute before you leave today and stop at one of the desks in the foyer and just let us know. I'd love to call you or have one of the ministers here talk to you, get to know you more, and really help you along on this new life in Jesus Christ. It's something that we should never forget, that he gave his life for us. Tomorrow is another day that we want to remember people. It was in 1971 that the last Monday of May was officially established as our country's Memorial Day. And you know, it'd be nice if we were only looking at the past. It'd be great if we could say, yes, all these wars and skirmishes are over and we can look at those lives lost and honor and uh, say thank you. But our people, our men and our women continue to give their lives. I mean, we hear just very recently of others who have lost their lives in places like Afghanistan taking care of you and me, looking after our interests and giving their lives. So we're not only recalling tomorrow past sacrifices, but really sacrifices that have occurred right here in the present day and age. It's a stark reality. And it's fitting this weekend that we take time to remember those who uh, gave their life, these innumerable souls who have exemplified bravery, self-sacrifice, the virtues of courage and devotion. They gave their lives so that we can enjoy liberty and freedom that we possess. So tomorrow, you know, if you're at a sale or you're at a barbecue or whatever you're doing, don't forget. Don't forget those who did this and gave their life for us. Maybe your city has a memorial park Take a minute to visit it. Maybe there's a parade in your community. Take an opportunity, an hour out of your day, just to, just to remember and honor those who have paid a way for us. It's like the memorials that God established. We're not living in it. It's not ruling our life. We're not trying to turn around and go back, but it's reminding us of something that's very, very important. You know, I think it's also fitting that we take a minute and we honor those who have uh, served our country and they've returned home and they've returned safely and they've been able to uh, come back to lives here in their homeland. Those in our communities who continue in active service, those who are our first responders in our community. If you're a veteran or if you're someone who uh, is one of these first responders in our community. Would you just stand? If you've served in any of the branches of the military, we want to honor you this morning. We don't want to forget your service. We want to bless you. Thank you. And you can remain standing. Please remain standing. These are, these are people who served us and we're thankful for you.
We're thankful for every single man and woman who's standing here now. If you've been in past service or if you're in active service or you're a first responder, thank you. We're grateful to you. We want to close our service today with a prayer. And it's a prayer that says, God bless America. I want all of us to stand and uh, let's sing it and sing it with, some, with a, real, uh, a real attitude of prayer this morning. And, and taking time just to you know, bring to mind not only what all these folks have done for us, but what our Lord and our, G, our, our, our Savior Jesus has done for us. Let's sing. God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above and from the Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. We love you today. Oh, Father, you're so good to us. Thank you, God. Lord, I just pray right now over every member of this congregation who's standing here today, God, that the love of Jesus Christ would just flow out of them this week. God, that they would be able to share the message of love, Lord, with anyone who comes across their path, because we don't know who we're meeting, but we know this. They need to know Jesus Christ. 
Bless us, Lord. Open our mouths to speak. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and give us the words to say, Lord, that others would come to you. It's our desire, God. It's our hope. So bless all here, Lord. Bless them with that. Bless them with uh, their day off tomorrow, God. May we never forget what others have done for us. And God, may we never forget or take for granted what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning. If you need prayer, we always have all, uh, elders at our altars, and uh, you can come for prayer, and I invite you to do so. God bless you.